I always love to arrive in this app and see what we have concocted for a title. More importantly for this one, I like the description. The haters and losers said we wouldn't talk about college football again, but damn it, we're going to anyway. God damn it. I mean, it starts this Saturday. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't slept at all this week. I've just been too excited. <laughs> well, I guess I have to watch college football this week. Oops, sorry. Yeah, sorry about it. I guess I'm just going to have to waste my entire Saturday. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've, uh, and the I've funny been... thing is there's only one, like, one good game. Oh, yeah. I Like, I'm not going to sit down and watch very much of one particular game. I'll be flipping around, checking scores, doing the whole thing. But, um, yeah, there are not really any good games. I just like the idea of football on TV. I will be watching all of Nebraska Northwestern, though. I'll be watching I will, every I'll, down. I'll be... I will be watching all of the highlights. Um, I, mm. I I may watch just to see if Scott Frost gets fired at halftime. That that nah, might be I'm worth high tuning in to. Nebraska this year. Holy cow! I just went to ESPN's website to go pull up the college football schedule. Your your Guardians are doing something. Oh yeah, I'm watching it. <laughs> you got any money on it? I sure do. Guardians money line. Uh, wow, that that worked. What was the? Oh, they're in San Diego. Okay, so you might have gotten yes, decent money on it too. Uh, they were plus 140. Well, the money line. Well, hot damn. Yeah, so far so good. But um, Thursday, next Thursday, um, we got a. Re- it's it's not a really good slate, but there's actually a lot better games. Uh, West Virginia Pitt should be something. Penn That'll State, be the Purdue. USC Bowl. Yeah, uh, Penn State at Purdue. I'm really interested in that one. Um, Central Penn Michigan State's had. not ranked. Wow. Nope. I think they should be, but that's kind of. I just don't know if there's 25 better teams than Penn State. Uh, I know that there are 125 better quarterbacks than Sean Clifford. Oh, I can agree. But they got this uh, kid from Medina, Drew Alar. Yeah, he's uh, supposed to be the guy. Yeah, but there's there's no way he plays this year. No matter how big of a prospect he is. Sean Clifford's actually been starting for four, possibly five years at this point. Like, Probably the seniority's going to take over. Yeah, I mean, did he start? So, McSorley left. McSorley was 16. 17. 17? Oh, he, was, he had another year after the um... – Yeah, because he came – because he played in Columbus when I saw him. So, it would have been 17. As I was at that game. I should know that. Yeah. So – Sean Clifford's probably been the quarterback since 18 because I think he took over right after uh, McSorley. I would think so. That'd be a good trivia question if it were anybody else. But right. I, for the time being, I agree with you. I think, yeah, because, yeah, I've seen Sean Clifford play in, in person. Wasn't good. He actually got hurt, and Penn State got better after when he got hurt. Trace McSorley was still there in 2018. Really? That guy. Oh, yeah, he was. He was, because there was another whiteout game, him against uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, yeah, wow, I guess so. I didn't realize that he was a – I forgot about that game. I didn't realize he was a sophomore when he won – did he win the Big Ten? Yeah, they won the Big Ten. Hmm. The year they beat Ohio State, they won the Big Ten. Didn't make the playoffs, though. No. That's Why a rare that? combination. Beating Ohio State head-to-head. Yeah, they beat Ohio State, won the Big Ten championship game, didn't even make it in over Ohio State. That's... That's almost absurd. 
I looking back on that now that we're discussing this and saying it out loud, that's bogus to me. I know that Penn State probably had two. They probably had two losses. Ohio State probably only had one. Penn State's right. losses were probably pretty bad. Um, oh, I, what it huh. came down, to, what that year came down to, I Let's believe see. it was because um, Penn State. Penn State beat Ohio State. Ohio State beat Penn State. Or, I'm sorry, Ohio State beat Michigan. Then Michigan demolished Penn State. So Did Michigan demolished Penn State? Yeah. Because I accidentally just looked up the score because of that game. Because I was looking at old games and just, like, writing down some games that I might want to go see. And I was actually just thinking about this 2016 season. Just, like, I, I might want to go back and watch the, the trifecta of those three games and how it all went down. And then right. one of the vi- one of the YouTube videos had the final score in the title. I'm like, oops. So oops, actually, Penn State started out two and two, and yeah. then they finished out a top ten team, which is yeah, I think mind blowing argument because because Ohio State beat Michigan so late in the season, it automatically like Ohio State beating Michigan locked them into the playoff because I think they were the two seed. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then at, it, at became, the time, it came it down between sense. Penn State and Washington. And I guess you those two teams actually, I think, played each other in the uh, the Fiesta Bowl that year, if I'm not mistaken. Penn State um, and Washington had played in a bowl game, but they didn't play in the, wait, in the playoff it, together. It, it, it couldn't have been that year because Washington was in the playoff. That's what I said. Not, what yeah, I said. I, it came down. It came that playoffs. It, what people are mad that Penn State got, got in over Ohio State. But I think it really came down to Penn State missed out because Washington was ahead of them, not because of Ohio State. Huh. Well, Washington because was of, actually really good that year. I mean, they what's just that? I said Washington actually was really yeah, they good were. that year. That wasn't handled, some like, I mean, well, we got to have a Pac-12 team. Right. They they handled themselves decently with Alabama. A respectable, as I recall, and I have not looked at the score recently, but. From what I recall, the score was twenty-four to seven, which I mean that's kind of that's kind of like Cincinnati. I think was twenty-four yeah. to six. So no, that was I, a, that was the transition of Bo Scarborough into Damian Harris. Back when Bo Scarborough was really good, like twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen back to back, they had were just like the two worst years for the semifinals ever. Because oh, 2015 uh, 15 was, was Al- Alabama, Michigan State. Oh my God, that was disgusting. And what was what was the other? It was Clemson and Notre Dame. No, Clemson. No, and 15. Oklahoma. Um. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, they played Baker okay. Mayfield. That was okay, but Clemson had like a. It wasn't a complete beatdown, but right. Clemson had control of the game the entire right. time, so it wasn't exactly next, close either. Yeah, and then the next year was Alabama, Washington, and Ohio State, Clemson, and that Ohio State Clemson game, which I didn't care for it. No, nah. didn't you say that you didn't watch it or something like that? I think I watched like a grand total of ten minutes because I kind I kind of figured what was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to be that bad. But I just kind of knew that Clemson, we we didn't have anything for Clemson. And you guys missed like two. I think you guys missed two field goals within the first ten minutes of the game too. So you could oh, already see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah would have uh, it would have prevented the Clemson marching band from opening up their week one 
uh, halftime oh, show in 2017 by yeah, stripping out 31-0. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know if they won the championship that year. In fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't. And they still, week one, didn't even play Ohio State. No, they won that um, That was Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't know. Alabama and Clemson played back-to-back years. That was the, the 2015 was the O.J. Howard. Oh, wait. You, oh, you're talking about 16. Yeah. Okay, my bad. Yeah, Um. Yeah. that was uh, that was the pick play that apparently didn't get called, despite the fact that it was 100% called in the Notre Dame-Florida State game in 2014. Still not over that after we converted a fourth and 22. Gosh. I can tell that. Yeah. Against Everett Golson, who transferred to Florida State. Oh, heavens. Remember that guy? Yeah. Speaking of Everett Golson in Notre Dame, that man's Iteo documentary. (laughs) Good transition. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I honestly had no, apparently I had no idea what actually happened. Like, I had, nope. it, I had no idea it was that deep. Uh, I I was obviously uh, given uh, Ohio State fans that I had. I was looking for every last out I possibly had to try and find a way to spin the story of, like, guys, it's not that bad um, to all of my Ohio State friends who were making fun of me. Uh, of which there were many, I might add. So I was, I remember watching the Katie Couric interview. I remember watching the Dr. Phil interviews, all that stuff. Um, so I was, this was a nice little recap. There was one big detail that I will say that I completely forgot about, but the rest of it I kind of remember. But uh, yeah, generally speaking, um, this was a person. And it was proven on Dr. Phil. And so you cut this, out there for a second, by the whoops. way. Whoops. Oh, uh, my apologies. But um, I'll, I'll just say this was a, a master of voice distortion who was doing this. This wasn't like someone just going into the just some higher pitched version of their voice. This was a this is someone who went really deep into it. And um uh, there are many victims in this scenario. Um, let's start with the least guilty heading into the most guilty. Uh, the least guilty victim, uh, although I still consider him a victim, is Manti Teo. Um, obviously, he was on the receiving end of this whole thing. Although he was not alone. Uh, as this uh, documentary laid out, Manti Teo yeah. was not the only one who was being catfished. He was just the only one who took it that far. Uh, everybody, there were other people, there were, there were other football players. There was even one of his cousins. Um, right. the, the documentary said that, uh, Manti, when, when he started messaging with this supposed Lene Kakua, he reached out to one of his cousins who he found was one of her friends on Facebook and said like, Hey, do you know this person? And he just kind of was like, yeah. And I, I kind of know him a little bit. Just the whole kind of, kind of casually. The whole fake family, like that's Renaya chick. Well, now she's a chick. It, um, how she made the Lene, and then she made a whole character, like a whole uh, family, I should say. I mean, yeah. And then she would like be active on all of them to give the illusion that these are real people just re- reacting with each other on Facebook. That I mean, that's just literal insanity. And he, he made her cousin, Lene's cousin himself. 
so it would be easier, I guess. So we could talk to him directly or so I don't know. It was just so weird. Just Yeah, I guess I guess so he could exist as a part of this web. Right. And but he tried or he slash now she tried making yeah. it that her it was part of his like that was his first like co- not coming out, but his first cry to that he he doesn't want to be a boy or whatever. Like that he feels like a woman and that he was just expressing himself through this character he built. And it just so happened that Manti Teo was the victim. Yeah. And I remember watching these interviews, particularly the Dr. Phil interview. Actually, I, th- I think Katie Kirk was just Manti Teo and his family. And I think Dr. Phil was specifically on then Renaya. Um, right. It, it you're was... the host, by the by the way, you're the host, and this guy wants to speak. If you can. Oh, oh, thank you. My phone was uh, set down, so let me um, let me just see. Uh, how about now? Uh, did I do it right? Let me I don't see. think so. Hey, can you guys make me a speaker? Um, uh, make invite to speak. All right, I invited. Yeah, you you're to speak. the you're the host, so I can't. I got you. Shardal, I invited you to speak. Welcome. Whoa, welcome to the speakers. Um, uh, so my guys... question is that, um, what are your thoughts on the Alabama Crimson Tide football team? And do you think they will stay at number one in the Southeastern Conference or they'll yes. drop to number two? So this, uh, is, this is a classic peak year for Alabama. Alabama is peaking this year. And what, what's funny is last year is a rebuild year for them. And they, they damn near won, almost won the championship. I mean, they were winning that game late into the game, but obviously their injuries to um, Jamison Williams, John Mechie, and then they I think they had two corners out for that game. I don't remember. But this is a peak year for them. Um, I'm curious what their skill room looks like just because outside of um, Burton, Traylon Burton, I don't really know who's playing wide receiver, like experience-wise. Uh, I know they have five stars just, you know, at their disposal. But other other than that, I really have no concerns about Alabama. They're going to be number one. I, I bet on Ohio State to win the championship because I just think betting on Alabama to win is boring. Um, <laughs> it's, Al- it's Alabama and Ohio State this year. Those are the teams. And uh, Alabama is pretty comfortably number one, I think. My other question is that um, who are your top five Heisman Award winners of 2023 if you would pick your top five to win the Heisman? Say that again. Who are your top top five Heisman Award winners in 2023? So if you had top five players who you wanted to win the Heisman, who would your top five be? Oh wait! Did you um, say wanted? Did you say wanted to win the Heisman or who? No, which which will? top five? Who are your top five candidates to win the Heisman Trophy okay. in twenty twenty three? Okay. So I like I like the big three at quarterback: Stroud, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams. Uh, will Anderson, you can throw in there from Alabama. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, possibly. I don't know though. Because I feel like he's going to lose a lot of production because he is the guy last year and last year he was able to hide behind Olave and Garrett Wilson. Um, if you want a really long shot at 80 to one, Malik Cunningham, the quarterback from Louisville, I really like him. Uh, he's, I think he ran for like 1500 yards and 20 touchdowns last year as a quarterback. And uh, Louisville's bringing a lot back. So I, I like him, but if I had to, if I had, if I had to pick an exact winner right now, I would say CJ Stroud. Um, 
So my question is that who are your top five haters of college football? Who are your top five losers losers of college football? Uh, haters those, and losers. Yeah, we'll we'll do both um, those together. Um, I I don't know what he's doing, but this is something that Notre Dame fans and Ohio State fans can actually agree upon, and that is Mark May is the biggest hater. Um, yeah, he's a big hater. Uh, um, yeah. Skip Bayless. So he, He's uh well is he a, a hater? He's just a oh, he's yeah. just an Oklahoma fanboy. Oh no, he he's a big Alabama hater. Oh, that's right. Uh, big Nick Saban a... hater. Let's see. So I'll go Skip Bayless. Myself. Um, anybody like, who tweets me, I like to be a hater. Throw me in there, honestly. Yeah. Anybody who uh, tweets at me is a hater, honestly. Anybody who questions my authority. Who are some media members, though, that really, like, besmirch college football? That really just – I mean, Uh, Dan Woken just hates college football. Actually, I got got one. Pat Forty, I I forget who he works for, but uh, after the Tennessee – after the end of the Tennessee Ole Miss game, he was saying that Tennessee should have to play a game without fans as, as, like, a fan suspension. Oh yeah, um, I remember that. Suspending the enti- suspending all Tennessee fans from showing up to their next game. That that's hater material. I think Pat Forty um, works at ESPN. Um, I'll I'll say uh, you said Dan Wolken. I'll add um, just because uh, I, I I don't know if he hates college football or not, but we hate him. Darren Ravel. Uh, ah, we'll, we'll we'll throw him in there. Just we'll throw he, him in the loser category. Phase. He went on this phase of like narking on guys who were like signing shady NIL deals at the beginning of all this NIL. So that's yeah, he's the ultimate hater. Yeah, and he's also a loser, so he definitely counts yeah, in this category. He's a hater and loser. Yes. Does <laughs> uh, that five? I'm pretty. Oh, there's five. Pat Forty, Dan Wilkins, Skip Bayless, so and so, and Darren Ravel, Mark May, and Darren Ravel. Um. So my other question is that, um, what are your guys' thoughts on C.J. Uh, Stroud? And um, how do you think he's going to, uh, you know, lead Ohio State to maybe another uh, championship or maybe do some other stuff? Yeah, um, Ohio State has the potential to have arguably the best offense in the history of college football if you just – if you just look up and down the roster, um, their wide receiver room took a bit of a hit. Uh, I think Julian Fleming hurt his shoulder in a scrimmage the other day. And this Cameron Babb, who's been here forever, who everyone always likes, is hurt again. So, but C.J. Stroud is going to have no problems having an abundance of skill uh, skill players. Because, I mean, you look at Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Excuse me, Emeka Abuka, uh, Travion Henderson, uh, Mayan Williams at running back. I like him a lot better as a running back, too, over Master T, who runs the slowest I've ever seen. And then <laughs> and then their offensive line is dominant. I mean, are not dominant, but they have dominant pieces on it. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr., I really like. Uh, Dewan Jones is the largest human being who's ever existed. Uh, Matthew Jones is playing guard. I believe they have Luke Weitzler, who played guard last or uh, center last year because Harry Miller didn't play and he actually did pretty decent. And then uh, this Donovan Jackson, he's a redshirt freshman. I believe he's from modern. I think he's from modern day. No, he's from really? Texas. Excuse me. Um, but he's a redshirt freshman and he's really good. So Ohio state has the potential to have the best offense in the history of college football. 
And that's not saying much because I feel like every every passing year we see the best offense in college football history, like 2019 LSU, 2020 Alabama, um, maybe maybe Ohio State last year. So um, my one concern, my one concern with CJ Stroud is he doesn't run the ball. He he refuses if he has a wide to. open first down with his feet, whether no matter how many yards, he would rather throw the ball, which I guess isn't all that. Always a bad thing, but that killed us against Oregon. That absolutely so, killed us against Oregon. So my other question is that: What are your thoughts on uh, uh, Christian Olave, who's was an American football wide receiver for the um, who uh, for the Saints, who um, currently play college football at Ohio State? Um, do you think that he'll excel in on New Orleans, or do you think that that was not a good good move to send uh, Olave to uh, play for the Saints? I definitely think it was a good move for the Saints to pick him up because their number one receiver, Michael Thomas, is oh, brother. missing in action. Um, and he's also I, – I just can't stand him, so I would like to see him get replaced. But uh, with their number one receiver, who they paid a bunch of money to, who's now injured all the time, uh, they could definitely use another, another weapon. Chris Olave uh, is just a very smooth route runner to me. Yeah, he, he he doesn't really look exceptional, but he's really reliable. So, you know, he's not the type of receiver who's going to uh, jump up and win a bunch of 50-50 balls. And, you know, he, he's not one of those receivers who you say, even not when Gary he's Wilson. covered, he's open. Yeah, exactly. And so he, he's kind of just like Mr. Consistency. He's a good route runner. He'll get himself open and uh, you'll be able to find him. But uh, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be a solid receiver. I think he's... I think he has a really high floor in the NFL, so yeah, he's uh, he's not going to be one of these boomer bust guys. I think he'll be like a, I guess like a, a Jarvis Landry type receiver where uh, you can kind of always count on him to catch balls. I'm not sure if I see him being uh, a complete game wrecker and a guy who has Hall of Fame potential, but I think he'll be a safe option for a long time. Um, yeah. So another um, interesting uh, fact I heard about Chris Olave was when he was playing for Ohio State, he caught for 93 passes for 1,764 yards and 26 touchdowns during his senior season at Ohio State. Yeah, and that was just, and what's crazy is Ohio State had two first-round receivers, uh, him and uh, Garrett Wilson, last year. Neither of them were the leading receivers on the team. And, that, I mean, um, that's just and- insanity. And the thing is that why I why um when uh, that it really um is heartbreaking that Chris Olave isn't playing for Ohio State is that um if he was still on the team um I would really love uh, uh because him and Bryce Young would be a really great wide receiver and quarterback duo like they would really work together but um fortunately he's not playing for the Buckeyes so unfortunately that Olave and and um, Bryce Young uh, duo would not happen because he's not playing for the university anymore so I think that's thought is out the window you mean Stroud no um isn't isn't um Bryce Young a quarterback for Ohio State yeah, for Alabama. Alabama. yeah I was saying um I would really love to see um uh uh Bryce Young and um Olave maybe in the I'm NFL just, well, just, I mean Bryce yeah, Young the, is going to be a probably the number one or number two pick next year uh I don't even know now nah, the Saints aren't going to be bad enough to get that that would be I mean I mean, yeah, I would love to see. Chris they Obama might need a quarterback, a quarterback, though. Yeah, they will, but I don't think they're going to be bad enough because I think Jameis is just good enough to win them like seven to eight games. So, um, do you guys think that 
Ohio State's going to go up against Michigan in the college football season, or um, uh, you don't think that those teams will ever face off against each other anytime soon in the season? Wait, wait, okay. Are you trolling us? No. They play every year. But, um, but, um, I mean, uh, I mean, I just, I mean, when you look at Chris Olave, um, it was really interesting how he was, he played for two teams uh, at Ohio State. He played for his basketball team and his track team. He did not do that. He did. In high school? Yeah, in he high was. School, yeah. In high school, he was, he played on his high school basketball team and in his high school track team. I bet he was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, dude's a ridiculous athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and it's surprising how young he is. He's only twenty two years of age. I mean, he. I mean, I'm 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 tw- I'm, I'm twenty six right now. And he uh, when he. Oh, I, th- I think he dropped off. Did he? Uh, uh I think. What? Well, let me see. Anyway, um. I Manti Teo, I think we were talking about him. Oh yeah. Um, oh, what was the point I was gonna make? Oh, episode two. That's where it got really juicy. Because I, I remember that Deadspin was the one the, where the people that broke that one broke the story. But those two motherfuckers are the biggest dweebs I have ever seen. Those two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Their, their whole thing, I understand uh, the, the dead spins, the SB nations, the bar stools of the world, their whole, their whole existence is to be the anti ESPN in terms of sports coverage. This, I mean, this had nothing to do with sport. This, this should not have been published like without Manti Teo knowing that, I mean, they said they gave, they called Manti Teo and they gave him an hour to respond. Like they had the story written up and everything. And they gave them an hour to respond, and they're like, and then they're like, okay, we're just gonna go ruin this guy's life now. It, it's just the craziest thing, and they try justifying it like, oh, we're just trying to report the news. I kind of get. Just, it's I kind of so get crazy. It, the the reason that I'm going to defend Deadspin, I just because can't they stand were. Them. Well, I agree. They, I think they're hateable characters, and just the way that they conducted themselves, and and they're not the only ones because we're. Uh, Naya did this too, where uh, I thought the way that she conducted herself during the entire thing showed very little remorse. The only scene she actually showed remorse was when she she said she felt bad for bringing the character back to life after she was dead because she oh, she missed so weird. she missed it. But, I didn't know that part. These guys, I, I think, are very hateable characters as well because the way they conducted themselves, it was kind of like arrogance like i i don't even know how to describe it really well but they just had this attitude about them like well we just got to publish this story just there there wasn't any sort of like well we got you know i'm just doing my job there wasn't any sort of that it it really felt like they were just they like they were like it felt like they were really proud of themselves is i guess the best way to say it then i don't know i've always been they were they were right. It's hard for me to, to come down really hard on on um, I almost said barstool. Um, that's a completely different I mean, topic. That's also happening. Uh, yeah, I guess. But um, uh, it's really hard for me to come down that hard on Deadspin because they were right. If they reported something that was incorrect, I guess I would I, I'd be a lot more upset. But 
I mean, they right. were right. So even I, though Manti Teo had a really small window to respond, that and because they they said they outlined the way that this works is you get your stories, you get your facts, and then you get quotes, and then you publish the story. And right. they they were very quick to speed through that last step and kind of like, well, do we do it? Do we not? So I um. They said that they were afraid that somebody else is going to pick up this story. I don't know who else was. I maybe just natural yeah, because, paranoia, but I, it didn't sound like they had a bunch of competition for this. No, because the reason they found out about it is because they had like an anonymous tip line for a story, yeah. and somebody messaged them or somebody messaged them the tip. I they never said who it was. I'm sure they don't know who it was because it was anonymous. But I'm very curious. Who actually sent that tip to Deadspin? It had to no, be somebody from his hometown. Yeah, and I um, that would that would be excellent to investigate. Is who on who on earth? Uh, I wish they even. I wish even if they did, if they tried and couldn't find the guy, I wish they at least mentioned that because that is a really interesting part of this whole storyline. Is who who sent this leak? And um, so I just. I thought that they were very hateable characters. They sounded like they, the way that they conducted themselves, they came off like they were really proud of themselves. Right. And, and that part I think is very hateable, but if they just said, look, like this is the story. We have the story. We got to get it out. That's just how our business works. And we were right. So if they said that, I would have been like, yeah, you're, you were right. And that is part of the business, but I, I didn't like the attitude that they gave off, but, um, uh, I I previewed earlier that there was one part of the story that I had completely forgotten about. Oh oh, I was I was actually breaking down my uh, my victim charts. So number one, um, uh, from least victimized to most victimized, number one was Manti Teo. Um, obviously he was I guess the most involved victim. However. I still think that there were enough signs for him to have yeah. kind of kind of given up on this, but still, uh, still a victim in my eyes. Yeah. Number two, um, number two was uh, Naya's little sister, who was oh yeah portrayed as her niece. Yeah, to to the point, and she like you brain you kind of brainwashed this kid, like you had this kid. To Manti Teo's face, because remember the scene where um, the uh, Rania brought his little sister to go meet Manti. Right. She knew him because she had talked to him on the phone. She knew him as Uncle Manti. You are like so twisted to use use a little kid as a part of this scheme. For you know, worse off. And look, I get it that. I, I understand that this person was confused and about their own identity and was trying to figure themselves out. I get it. And, but like that, that's no excuse to completely manipulate other people, but to manipulate a little kid that, that, and I have no idea if the, that, that little kid maybe grew, grew up, you know, 10 years older, they're probably 15 years old right now. Or uh, yeah, probably 15. They probably, I doubt have a bunch of trauma from that. They probably didn't carry a bunch of scars because they weren't a big part of the story. So that was probably just like, Oh, that's weird. Oh, this is how that happened. But that's still, that is disgusting to me how they used a little kid. And then obviously the biggest victim to me is the innocent 
um, the, the, the high school friend who was actually used as the photo. Uh, it was completely stealing this person's identity to create your own character and live in this virtual world. I mean, her, she had nothing to do with it. And that is Manti's name. That right over the, I had no uh, idea about that ending where, she, where uh, they brought the imaginary girlfriend back to life. Yep, that was it. And Renaya texted the real life, uh, not the real life Lene, but the picture of the the person whose picture he used. And it's like, hey, can you do this? Because Manti is like, well, if this is actually you, I need you to be holding up a sign that says this, this, and that. And he had to give up this symbol. And she te- and he texted the real life portrayal of Lene and was like, hey, can you do this? I, w- I, I would love to know what Manti Teo was thinking real time when he received that picture. Now, look, this was that, and that was actually what I was talking about. That was the only part I forgot. I completely forgot. And, dude, that hit me like a ton of bricks when I was watching that. And the first episode ended with Manti getting that text. I was like chills up and down everywhere. I was I was rocked by that. But that was uh, the way that she got dragged into this. And again, she, Manti received more blowback than she did for this. He was, but I also think he held he held some responsibility for allowing this to go on as long as it did. Um, but yeah, I mean, at some point you gotta kind of you have to realize the three years of not ever seeing this person. I mean. I actually thought I, that made him look a little bit better because it sounded like the foundation of the relationship was that they had been like kind of off and on texting for three years. So they, they had a level of familiarity, but they never got super close. So three years into just kind of casually texting somebody here and there, you, I feel like that would, and especially at that time, I, I feel like that would give you a level of, of familiarity and trust, even if it's just really casual. Um, right. Now, again. The, all of the the FaceTime calls that mysteriously dropped off. That's where I'm like, dude, you gotta like, you gotta get an answer. Like, right. c- like come on now, you you gotta read read between the lines here. But I I just I I could not I could not yeah. believe. It. I I would feel if I were him, I would feel despite the fact that it went on for as long as it did. If I were him and I got that photo when the character was brought back to life, I would have felt 100% justified for four years of being pulled. It's at some point. I, it just. I. It was a different time. Like catfishing wasn't really a thing. I mean, it was a thing, but we didn't know what it was. Like the term catfishing didn't really exist. Holy shit! Nice play by Miles Straw. But um. <laughs> but it's. I mean, dude. Every time you would ask to video message her, she's like, "Oh, my camera's broken." Every time yep. she was supposed to come see you after a game, oh, I couldn't make it. Every single like you've never seen this person in. You've never seen this person. You've only seen a picture of her. And you talk mm-hmm. to her every night. You talked to her every night while she was had a car crash and then got leukemia. <laughs> it's just... Like, Manti Teo is 100% the victim. But at some point, dude, you had to kind of, like, realize. I what I also found crazy is that he knew of the story. Or he, he knew that the girlfriend was fake at the Heisman ceremony. And he, he was talking about like, he had no, he, he thought about like saying like, yeah, this person's fake when he was getting interviewed, but he ended up not doing that. And you could just see like in his face, he was like, just 
was so like didn't know what to do. Yeah, he admitted to Katie Couric because she asked him like what he lied about and what he told the truth about, and he said like, "Yeah, I when I was at the Heisman ceremony, I knew that I was lying." But I mean, dude, I I, I wouldn't have said anything either. No, you like, can't. I wouldn't. Like. W- there's no way I would have taken that as my th- like. You know what? This is the time to come clean. Uh, you know, I just found out 36 hours ago that the girlfriend that I thought was dead is probably alive. Uh, he didn't even know. I- I'm still not even entirely clear of how how he find how he found out who it was. Maybe actually Deadspin. Maybe Deadspin's reporting is how Manti found out that. I think. Uh, um... she- I, I don't even remember. Maybe I have to go back and watch. But do you remember how Manti found out who it was? I think was there a, was there a big confession? There was a confession before the story oh, came out that, because Deadspin reached. I believe reached out to this Renaya and was asked her her him excuse me for comment. And I think that oh he you're right you're right Manti. you're right. Yeah, he reached out to Manti Taz like, this is about to blow up. I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay. And by the way, I would like to just – because in that scene, too, now that you mentioned it, you're jogging my memory, I, I think Naya tried to pat herself on the back like, you know what? I thought instead of letting Deadspin report this, I wanted to get out in front of it, and I wanted to tell Manti my – like, I, I wanted to be a man about it. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, right. that – like – there was a little bit of like, uh, I did it the right way. I was a man about it, then a man about it. Um, that was a another disgusting scene. But you're right. Uh, that that's how he found out. But again, if I were at the Heisman ceremony and 36 hours ago, I have, I, I really have no answers. But the girlfriend that I thought was dead is now alive. I'm yeah. like. I don't have all the details myself, so I'm not gonna all of a sudden just tell everybody, "Hey, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that she's not alive. I'm pretty sure yeah, she is alive, so alive. I was wrong." And by the way, I've said this many times in this podcast, but nobody else remembers this except for me and maybe other psycho Notre Dame fans. Uh, the the actual grandmother also died that week, yes. so um, at least at least this was half true. Yes, the actual grandmother died, who he apparently was very close with. And apparently his girlfriend died the same day. Yeah, I don't know why she decided why she decided to kill off her character right after she found yeah. out that his grandma died. Yeah, like, the story's just getting good. I, I, the, the, the timing of every decision was so bad. It makes you, this it makes scheme you, is bad. But it makes you think how Manti Teo's future would have went because you remember at start the documentary kind of started with him deciding to return to Notre Dame for his senior year because yeah. he was still he was still talk he was talking to this Lene um, before his senior year I think during like his freshman year he started talking to her I think he said and like if he would have went pro if he would have ended it if you know or if he would have found out sooner. And then it would just it wouldn't have gone this far. I mean, the reason it went so far is because Notre Dame was as good as they were. Manti Teo is the note, a fan favorite since the moment he got on campus, and then Notre Dame was having this magical season. Yeah, I um, and I, I would also like to say that I I can't deny the fact uh, 
whoever had the long hair, uh, I, I think it was him, it, the dead spin guy in the long hair who was seen as Tim like Burke. Mr. Database or whatever. Tim Burke uh, is his name. Yeah, yeah, Tim Burke. I, I think he was the guy who in the – somebody said, but I think it was him, said – uh, that Manti Te, a lot of his allure with the Heisman hype and all that had to do with the fact that yeah. the story, oh, it's Notre Dame, it's the storyline, it's their undefeated. And I, I can't deny that. I, I can't deny it. If that were a Louisville linebacker right. and they went eight and four, despite the fact, if they had the exact same performance on the field, which, by the way, Manti Te was incredible, and I'm not trying to minimize that, but I, I'm almost saying that defensive players – uh, to get a little bit more respect around here, um, although he was the uh, no doubt leader of the team, but I, I I can't deny the fact that all the storyline around it probably definitely played into it at some point. I don't I don't think it. I I hope it didn't overblow his uh, performance on the field, but maybe. I guess the positive way to say it is it, it made the writers wake up to defensive players, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, and was before Manti Teo. Yeah. Um, although he was, he didn't get close to winning, though. And, and Tyran Matthew was the year before. Yeah, that's right. So, so you're right. That, that, that was, I guess, wow, that was a three three years out of a four-year stretch. That, um, uh, the defensive players were finalists for the Heisman Trophy. So, What's crazy yeah. is that Manti Teo arguably, or not argue, or potentially had a better junior year than he had senior year. The reason his senior year was so great is seven interceptions. And the leader in the country had eight. Yeah, and because Manti Teo had 13 and a half tackles for loss his junior year and five sacks, and in the senior year he had. Only five and a half tackles for loss. Seven nothing Guardians. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I um, I I don't know. I I, I really don't. As far as that, the uh, he was a a turnover oh, he's machine a though, and um, that dude could hit. And yeah. I gotta say, that was a really crisp tackle that they showed. Uh, his first game in Nevada, his freshman year. That was, yeah. That was a crisp tech. I, I was at that game. Um, there were actually multiple games that they showed in that that I was uh, in attendance. The the tackle that he had against Utah, where he, uh, you know, some poor running back was like in the flats as a check down, and as soon as he catches the ball, he gets clobbered by number five. I was at that game too. Um, that was Bye. nice. Yeah, we beat them uh, twenty eight to three. They were ranked and we were not. So uh, huh. they, I think they were like a top fifteen team too. Um. Uh, that was actually why. Uh, why was Brian Kelly not a part of this? Um, I I know, I know that they had, I know that they had Jack Swarbrick. Uh, but oh, I yeah, would have also there. yeah you were yeah he was uh the Notre Dame representative. Uh, I would have uh they also had Robbie Toma who oh yeah uh, was a receiver. I I think Robbie Toma actually was planning to go to UCLA. And then on signing day, basically told his parents, like, I'm going to miss Manti. I got to go hang out with, like, and then went to Notre Dame because Manti was going. Um, oh, yeah. And, and then, by the way, the whole reason Manti Teo went to Notre Dame is absurd. Yeah, uh, I guess. I, well, I, I never see, knew I how close he was to going to USC. I'm so glad he didn't because I hate USC, as everyone knows. Um, 
being the golden domer that I am. Actually wearing a Notre Dame shirt today. Um, mm. uh, yeah. Um, in a, in a Bush Stadium hat. Uh, Cardinals but, are hot. Yeah, they are. Um, that uh, that j- acquisition of Jordan Montgomery has really been working yeah. for St. Louis. Yeah. Um, I think he's got like a .54 ERA and four starts or something like that. Uh, and meanwhile, Harrison Bader had Harris had uh, plantar fasciitis before he even got traded to New York. So that didn't make any sense. But I um I uh, part of the Manti Teo documentary was just I I love just seeing the highlights because it, it helped me get ready for football season and we are right around the corner. Oh yeah, we are right around the corner. College football starts this Saturday. Um, the um, what was I gonna say? I forgot what I was gonna say. So I guess we can go. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give our winners for each of the Power Five. We'll give our playoffs, our playoff teams, and we'll give our Heisman and champion. Okay. So, Notre Dame's going to win the independent. I firmly believe that. I agree, too. It's uh, who's They're going awesome? to run away with it, as they always do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Big Ten, I think you and I are both on. Oh, let me pull up the odds. No, that's how we'll do this. Oh, I made my bet. I made my, I made my trip up to Michigan to make my bets, so. There you go. We'll start with, we'll start with the ACC, actually. Clemson is currently the favorite, minus 155. Miami, plus 500 in second. NC State, plus 750. Pitt, plus 10,000, or plus 1,000. North Carolina, plus 2,500. And Florida State, plus 2,800. Wow, Wake Forest fell far. Uh, plus 30,000. Thir- God damn, plus 3,000. I, actually, Clemson under 10.5 wins was one of my bets. So... I think I'm going to have to take NC State. I like the value there. Oh, uh, who are all these people who all of a sudden are huge NC State fans? Where'd this come from? You, oh, I've always been a Wolfpack of whatever they call their fans. The uh, for, for, yeah. For perspective, um, Clemson was minus 900 to win the ACC after they won the championship and when Trevor Lawrence was returning for his sophomore year. Uh, that's psychotic. But uh, yeah. considering that they're minus 150 now, and I'm like, who else am I going to pick? I'm going to pick Clemson. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Tyler Van Dyke. I know everyone likes – everyone's bending over backwards for Tyler Van Dyke. I don't know. I like them. Because Miami uh, – I would have to look. I don't know the exact stats. Uh, but I know because I bet on Miami a couple times down the stretch. But when he fully took over, Miami was a lot better. So there's a lot there's a lot of hype just because of what Miami's brought in with the coach with the transfers, recruiting's picked up. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is probably the best quarterback they've had in a long time. Um, if they return to their old uniforms, I will start rooting for them. Until yeah. then, no. Yeah, they kind of they kind of tweak their uniforms. I'm not a big fan of it. Are they are they wearing Jordan brand? Because it looks like they are. I think they're Adidas. Oh. Oh, they used to be Nike. That was it. The transition to uh, to Adidas did not do them well. I think they're Adidas. Yeah, they are Adidas. That's they used right. to be Nike. I liked uh, Michigan better when they were Nike, too. Or Adidas, whatever yeah. they were. I don't know. 
Michigan was Nike, I think. And now they're Jordan brand. Actually, you know what? They're Jordan brand. That's not that bad. That's fine. Um, yeah, they're not for- bad, but they kind of like tweaked the uniforms just a little. Like the shade of blue is not is different. Yeah. Florida they don't wear the yellow damaged pants. their uniforms. Florida was a big mistake going to Jordan. Yeah. Florida should have kept the Nikes that they had during the Tebow years. Agreed. Those um, are the better. All right. The Big 12. I say, yeah, I say Clemson. You say NC State. Big 12. Yeah. Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma is currently the favorite, plus 190. Texas, plus 300. Quinn Ewers was just named the starter. Uh, Oklahoma State, plus 550. Baylor, plus 550. Kansas State, plus 1,200. TCU, plus 1,200. Well, um, it's TCU, weird. it has a lot of hype. I don't really buy into them. Um I do really like Kansas State. I don't think I'll pick them to win. Did Zachary Evans transfer to Ole Miss? Yes, but from TCU. Yeah, so I really don't buy into them. Um, yeah, and they uh, Oshawan Mathis, their big defensive end, transferred to Nebraska. So I'm and their new coach. Um, I, I just don't really. Sonny Dykes, I just don't really buy it. No, Sonny uh, Dykes, welcome back. Yeah, uh, Baylor lost a lot. On both sides of the ball, Oklahoma State is kind of like some years they're up, some years they're down. They're bringing back Spencer Sanders for a 50th straight year. Um, they lost their defensive coordinator to OSU. Yes, to they the did. And I, that's going to be huge. Um, so I think it's really down to Oklahoma and Texas. I think Oklahoma and Texas are going to play in the in the championship. All right. It's going to be Oklahoma and Texas, but keep an eye on Kansas State is what I'm going to say. But if I had to make a pick right now. I will say – I'm going to say Texas. I'm going to say Texas is bad. I believe in Quinn Ewers. Oh, man, I don't like any of these answers, to be honest. I don't uh, either. I, I'm not confident in any team in the Big 12. I like Dave Aranda, but I'm not going to kid yeah. myself into thinking that just because – it kind of feels a little bit Pat Fitzgerald-ish, uh, Northwestern – uh, last year, so I'm 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 not totally drinking the Kool Aid on Baylor. Um, I like Dave Aranda, so if they if they pleasantly surprise me, that'd be nice. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to assume that's going to be the case. In fact, I have complained multiple times about how high they've been ranked uh, in these preseason AP polls. Ah mm-hmm. uh, man, it's going to defensive minded team win the Big Twelve that is known for playing zero defense. Um, we'll find out, Brent Venables. I will. I'll go with the boring pick, uh, Dylan Gabriel. Well, it, ah, might be exci- it might be exciting because Dylan Gabriel is a quarterback and he's never played yeah. in the Power Five. So uh, I'll go Dylan Gabriel, Brent Venables, and the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, the Big Twelve. I have no idea what's going to happen there. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a safe. Well, because Texas, Texas's offense is going to be much improved. I mean, Xavier Worthy is one of the best receivers in the country. Bijan Robinson is the best running back in the country. Quinn Thank Ewers you. has a lot of promise. Yeah, Quinn Ewers has a lot of promise. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley is a tight end I really like. He transferred over from Alabama. Their defense is Swiss cheese, though, so we'll see. Or it was last year. We'll see if a year of experience and a couple guys they brought in will change anything. But uh, the Big Ten. Seems pretty easy. Ohio State is minus 210. Michigan plus 800. Wisconsin wow. plus 1,200. Penn State plus 1,400, Iowa plus 2,000, Nebraska plus 
plus 2,000. Michigan plus 800 is worth it because their schedule is really, really easy leading up to the Michigan State game. Yeah, uh, Michigan's Michigan and Michigan really State. Good. Uh, Michigan and Michigan State, which I think is an underrated rivalry, to be completely honest with you. Um, yes. I think it's a little bit overshadowed by Ohio State-Michigan. I think it's a great rivalry in and of itself, um, although it's played in the middle of the season. So I, I know that kind of damages a little bit. Oh, but you know what? So is – so is LSU, Alabama. So is Florida, Georgia. So there are some good rivalries in the middle of the Oklahoma season. Texas. So is, when USC plays against – when they play in South Bend, it's middle of the season. When Notre Dame plays at USC, it's at the end of the season. So uh, good good rivalry. Yes, Oklahoma, Texas as well, like you said. Um, but, uh, I, man, plus 800, those are, that's a good betting number for me for Michigan. Yeah, um, that's, worth now, a, that's worth a sprinkle, honestly. Big, I, uh, definitely worth a sprinkle. I like that term. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to play it safe and go Ohio state, but Michigan, I think only lost one of their starters on the offensive line and Michigan's offensive line. Absolutely. Punished, uh, punished pummeled. slash pummeled. I can I combined pummeled and punished and punished. I can't even say the words anymore, but, um, so I, I think that if, if Michigan lined up against Ohio state again, I, as long as Jim Harbaugh doesn't try to outsmart himself, yeah. Uh, just because they lost to Son Haskins doesn't mean that Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards, who are both fantastic running backs in their own yep. right, uh, doesn't mean that they can't run behind those guys. So I, I definitely think that people may be a little bit, uh, a little bit too, um, I, I don't even know, I guess overlooking of that game because Michigan, I think, is capable of just doing the same thing again. Uh, but um, uh, Ohio State, just overall more talent, uh, more well-rounded team, and um, getting rid of Kerry Combs. And not, not even necessarily the promotion of Jim Knowles, just get, just getting rid of Kerry Combs by himself. That alone makes me feel more confident in Ohio State, uh, addition by subtraction. Yeah, uh, Michigan is going to arguably have one of the best offensive lines in the country again this year. They got are, uh, who name? Uh, he, his first name's really weird. His last name's, no, his last name's Olawatimi. But um, his first name's like Olasagun. Olasagun Olawatimi is his name, I think. But he was uh, a top uh, center transfer from Virginia. They There's a lot of really good things being said about him. Uh, and then they have a grad transfer filling in at left tackle. And then they have their, their offense line is experienced. They're bringing back, I think, three starters, and then they have the grad transfer, Ryan Hayes, who are, I don't remember where he's from, and then the Zola with Timmy, who is a center from Virginia. So they're going to be good offensively. Uh, skill room, they're bringing – Ronnie Bell is healthy. He tore his ACL, I think, in the first game last year. So that's – they're bringing back a wide receiver. Like you said, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. They got the quarterback situation, which is – they made it work very well last year. Uh, Eric All, who's one of the best tight ends in the country, is coming back. My question about this team, and I think they're going to be really good, and I arguably think they could get into the playoffs even if they don't win the Big Ten, is that the re- I think the main reason they were so good last year was because their defense had so many goddamn playmakers on it that it allowed them to play- allowed their off. It took a lot a big load off their quarterbacks. Because their quarterbacks are not going to win you shootouts. They won the game by running the ball. And because their defense was so good, they were able to do that effectively on offense. 
So I'm curious to see how that will work. I think their defense is going to be fine. They're going to be good. They are. They honestly might be undefeated heading into the Ohio State game. So that on like that Ohio State uh, Michigan game, if unless Alabama doesn't lose, could be a one versus two, and that's how I think both Ohio State and Michigan could and probably might get into the playoff the way I kind of project Michigan. I'm really high on Michigan. I would like that, but I kind of believe in the course correction theory of like, and maybe Michigan was a little bit too good last year. They might yeah. lose a couple, maybe lose a game they shouldn't. Um, I know that uh, Indiana is a game that they have in the middle of like Penn State, Michigan State, and uh, Wisconsin or something like that. Um, uh, so I, I feel like there's a, some trap games that might slip up, uh, that might trip up Michigan. Because right. that's just how. Because every every year there are multiple games where really good teams lose to just flat out bad teams, and I feel like just with the course correction that could be Michigan this year. But if again, if everything goes as they should, which obviously it never does, then yeah, that's absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. I still think I, I Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. Yes, but yeah, Michigan. I, in conclusion, Michigan, yeah. Oh, this is a peak year for Ohio State, but Michigan at plus 800 is incredible value, actually. Yes. Um, the Pac-12. USC, this is another crapshoot. The USC uh, plus 170 is the favorite. Utah plus 250. Uh, Oregon plus 300. UCLA plus 1,000. Washington plus 1,700. And then Oregon State plus 3,200. I'm going uh, give, give me my Utes. Yeah, your Utes. Um, I uh, I hate this answer. I think USC is going to be really good. Um, yeah. In, in large part because their schedule is really, really, really bad. Um, they don't play many people. They have a lot of talent that they're bringing in from elsewhere, so it feels like a, a little bit of an all-star team. And that mm-hmm. never, ever, ever works out for college basketball teams who just do a bunch of freshman one-and-dones where they bring in a bunch of talent and they just throw it all together. But <laughs> – I, I have to admit, with USC, I think they're going to be really good, and their schedule is so bad that I think they'll be able to figure it out. Now, again, sure. uh, due to the fact that these guys haven't played together, I think that that would be conducive to being upset by a team that they have no business losing to. So I'm I'm fully mentally prepared for them to have one game where they just look like they've never played football before. But mm-hmm. their schedule is so bad that I think that they might be able to just get away with it. So I have them running the table. I agree. I've been coming around a little bit more on USC these past couple of weeks. I still think Utah is the best team. They got the best offensive line. Um, they got a really good quarterback. Um, Tavion Thompson. Thomas is a really good running back. Defense, we'll see. Their secondary is very young, so that kind of concerns me. Uh, outside of R.J. Hubert, who is a senior, he's going to be starting at safety. Uh, the rest of their defense at secondary are sophomores, true sophomores. So they got a lot of youth back there, so, but I still I really like Utah. I have very I have questions about USC's defense and their offensive line outside outside of Andrew Voorhees, who is probably one of the best guard prospects or pro, one of the best offensive linemen prospects um, heading into the draft. But Utah plus two fifty, I like the odds there. Uh, Oregon, I will not bet on Bo Nix ever. Um, <laughs> If you want to be if you want to be frisky, if you want to take a shot, take a peek at UCLA plus a thousand. But I'm 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 going Utah. 
what's SEC? SEC. Alabama, uh, if you could believe it, yeah. is the favorite at minus 140. Georgia plus 160. A&M plus 1,800. Kentucky plus 4,000. Tennessee plus 5,000. Ole Miss plus 5,000. Ooh, I, I would actually like it if Ole Miss snuck out in there. They, they, uh, they did a lot of damage. Um, mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin has been called the king of the transfer portal this year, at least, because last year was Mel Tucker, and there's no doubt about that. But, uh, look, I think Georgia's going to be a really talented team, but I think that they're going to be really young as far as playing experience goes. Uh, I know that they have a lot of guys now. Uh, basically, what Alabama always does is you sit for two years, you start one year, and then you're a first-round draft pick. Uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be Georgia this year. But – I'm really concerned about how many guys they lost. So I think their lack of experience will bite them a little bit. Um, And when you're – I'm just going to assume for the sake of this argument, uh, Alabama and Georgia are on equal footing as far as talent goes. That seems a decently – like a decently fair take. Although I would say Alabama is a little bit better. Well, even even better. Uh, All the more reason to pick Alabama. I was already going to, but um, that – even better. Yeah, no, I'm picking Alabama. Uh, Georgia is really good. I just don't believe in Seth and Bennett to do what he did again. The defense is going still going to be good. Just I can't picture Seth and Bennett being that good two years ago. The reason Georgia won the championship last year is obviously their defense. Because if it was just Seth and Bennett and like like Georgia's always had good defenses, just like an average good Georgia defense that we've come to know minus last year. They definitely would not have won the championship, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Alabama. Georgia might be undefeated going into the SEC championship game, which honestly, the way I'm thinking about it right now, because now that that's the Power Five we just went through, uh, the college football playoffs. There's a situation where the Big Ten championship game and the pack or the SEC championship game are the battle of the unbeaten. Is one, two, three, and four. I think that's. Uh, just, I think there's possibly. a really good chance that's. I, I think that's uh, a real. There's a really good chance that happens. Uh, I I don't just because these things always work out to where there's only one or two undefeated at the end of the year, but uh, nonetheless, they'll still be really, really competitive. They'll definitely be. They'll definitely have playoff implications. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, my one through four. Well. Uh, Alabama, um, as yeah. I as I'm sure no one is going to be confused yeah. by that selection. Alabama. Up your hot uh, takes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back away, everybody. Um, Alabama and Ohio State. I, I I'm dead serious when I say I think USC is going to run the table, and I'm not happy about it whatsoever. Um, I think USC has a minimum of a 12 and one record heading into the college football playoffs. I think they're going to be visitors of the visit. They're not going to stay very long because they'll get beat. And I think, I think they'll get beat pretty badly in the playoffs to be completely honest with you. But um, I think that let's go. Sorry. Uh, I, I think they'll be either 12 and one or 13 or no. And I, I think they are, they're going to be one of the teams that enters the season or maybe not enters the season, but exits the season with a lot of benefit of the doubt. I think that they're going to be more of a, a more of an exciting twelve and one than other teams 
because they're USC and Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley and all the trans. It's all it's all gonna right. become one. It's gonna become a huge thing. Everyone's gonna get excited, and they they will be, in my opinion, a good enough team for the playoffs. But they will be elevated even more so. Uh, it's got a, sort of a. Uh, I don't know. It's it's an exponential growth. Not only are they playing well, but it creates all this excitement around them. Um, so I think yeah. that they're going to be in. Um, now, now we got options. I I think Clemson is beating Notre Dame in South Bend. Unfortunately, um, yeah. although I tell you that, what, man, an eleven and one Notre Dame whose only loss is Week One in the shoe against a playoff team. If that works out, now I don't think that's going to be the case again because I already have a, I already have USC beating Notre Dame, but yeah. in the event that that happens, Notre Dame might get bailed out. Um, but I'm leaving Clemson on the table. I'm, dude. I, I have no idea who my fourth team is going to be. All right, it's time to get creative. Um, Miami. No, is there a, is there a second? SEC team that I can lean on. Georgia. I, I don't even want to do Georgia, man. I'm, I think that they're going to – I really don't want to do a Gosh, and I picked Oklahoma. Oh. Maybe uh, – oh, yeah, maybe Oklahoma. I I, I might just – Clemson, we'll do it. We'll do it. I know that DJ Ukulele sucks, but their defense yes, is does. awesome. Um, the, their, their front seven is ungodly good. Um. Yeah. Uh, they so if Clemson's offense just puts it together a little bit and picks up from where they were, they could have saved themselves. Uh, their margin of victory could have been a lot better just by being a little bit better on offense because their defense was so good. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't like that they lost Andrew Booth, but it, it may be a a bit of a a recency bias take to just say, oh, Clemson's been good recently, so they'll probably be good again. But I, I, I really don't like anybody else. Um, th- this fourth playoff spot, in my opinion, is going to be a lot of fun because I think we could see somebody, uh, aside from USC, who hasn't made the playoffs before just because I think there aren't there isn't a good fourth option. Uh, unless, unless of course, just Georgia does what they do, and then all of a sudden we have Alabama Georgia, Georgia in the playoffs again. Right. Uh, you know. That's always possible, but I'm going Clemson. The reason I'm not high on Clemson this year is just because the ACC has a lot of good quarterbacks. Not Sam Hartman. Yeah, I I think he is expected to be back. We still haven't heard officially what happened. But, um, yeah, there's there's just a ton of good quarterbacks in the ACC. Uh, I don't think any team from there. I think Clemson is going to lose two games on their schedule. They got a tough schedule. Um, so I, Alabama is going to be one. I think Alabama is going to run the table. Ohio state's going to be two. I think they're going to finish undefeated. Um, now it comes down to if I think Utah will go undefeated. I don't think they will. No, but if they win, their, the their pack, quarterback plays not good enough. Oh yes, it is. Cameron Cameron. rising. Really? Yeah. Oh my Utah became a completely different team with Cam Rising. But um but uh, was he a transfer I, from somewhere? No, he just didn't start the season. Uh, okay. Charlie Brewer started the season for them. That's he came from Baylor. Yeah, he was awful. Uh he's actually <laughs> starting quarterback at Liberty now. But um 
Wow. So I think because I think Utah is going to win the Pac-12, I'll put them in at three. And then four, four is tough. Because like you said, a one-loss Notre Dame is very attractive there. Um, a one-loss Michigan, a one-loss Georgia. Um, no, I don't trust anybody in the Big 12. I get a one-loss USC. Um, I, I don't believe in A&M. And I don't think Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ole Miss, the next crop of teams, is really going to do that much damage. Okay, so I'm going Alabama, Ohio State, Utah, and Michigan. I'm leaving I was just Georgia thinking, out. That, I'll, I'll take it. I, this could be a year where we see two Big Ten teams. Could be. This could be. Like, I, I am very high on Michigan. I don't think they're as good as Ohio State this year, but. We can see two Pac-12 teams, which would really stir things up. I, I cannot see two Pac-12 teams. Well, they don't play each other until the championship. So, right. if they go 12-0 and heading up against 12-0, and yeah, which, I'm again, a, yeah. huge if. The ultimate ally, yeah. If, if, if USC and Utah are undefeated going into the championship game, then, yeah. I could I could theoretically see two Pac-12 teams, but I think because again the situation could arise where it's an undefeated Pac-12 championship, an undefeated Big Ten championship, and an undefeated SEC championship game. That's there's almost no way that's going to happen, but it won't. It It'll won't. Work it's, itself out. it's much more likely in the Big Ten and the SEC, but I I just. I just don't – I think they would much rather take a one-loss Michigan or a one-loss uh, Georgia over a one-loss USC. Or one uh, you ready, ready to trivia it up? Yes, I am. Who, who's your national champion? Oh, um, uh, Alabama. I, I, I know that it's lame, and I'm sorry, oh, but brother. I'm going to – I'll go with Ohio State, just not – just because I don't want to say Alabama. I know it's boring, and I'm not proud of it. I'm certainly not proud of it. I would love to have a uh, – I, I almost said I would love to say Josh USC, Hader. but I, I would not want that. Um, the Padres brought in Josh Hader down seven runs here. Let's see if they can mount a comeback. Wow, that's a waste of <laughs> – Well, he's been awful in San Diego. Like, legitimately awful. But um, <laughs> I'll ask the first question. Please do. College football. The only My. Baylor wide receiver to win the Blitnikoff did so in the 2010. Who was it? All right. Uh, we got options here. Because not only is Corey Coleman an option, we have – I'm going to say it was Kendall Wright. It was Corey Coleman in 2015. Dang, I thought that was too easy. Uh, because they, dude, they had Kendall Wright, Josh Gordon, and Terrence Williams all together. Terrence Williams That's had a right. cup of coffee with the cat. I thought one of them might have done it. Mm. All right, mine are hard. Um, I guess I'll start you out with what I'll start you out with what I think is the easiest. Okay. Um, and uh, this one is not easy in my opinion. Before Gary Danielson became the lead color analyst, 
I'm try this again. Before Gary Danielson became the lead color analyst for the SEC on CBS in 2006, who held that role alongside of Vern Lundquist? Hmm. Let's see. Does that question make sense? Yeah. Okay. Who, who, who color that. before Danielson? That's would have been an easier way to do it. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Let's see who's on CBS roster. Uh, I don't think Dan Fouts ever did college football. Um, I think is Danielson. Does Danielson still do SEC on CBS? Yes. I don't know. I, I don't know why I thought Rick Neuheisel was the new number one colored man. I would stop I watching. Him. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care for him all that much. Hmm. I don't know. Any um, guess at all? Let me give me two more minutes to come up with a guess. Two more minutes. Or not too, like. A couple more seconds. Um, uh, damn. Rick Neuheisel, I guess. I don't know. Todd Blackledge. Todd Blackledge. Jeez. Taste of the town. Jeez. Okay, I actually forgot to write down this question, so let me just write down the answers. I know what question I want to ask you, but I just want to make sure I get the correct answers. Gotcha. I made mine hard because I gotta, I gotta make up for this horrible performance I've been putting together. <laughs> it's the question pertains to the NFL draft. Okay. Well, you you know I love the draft. It's my favorite day of the year for crying out loud. Oh yeah. Making it very hard. Okay. Uh, Tim, just write these down or type these down. I'm making this so much harder than it needs to. I'm making it so much harder than it needs to. That's okay. I just did that with my last question. (laughs) I just completely forgot to write this question down, apparently. But I knew which question I wanted to ask you because I feel like it's just just a perfect amount of, like, annoying. Oh, here we go. Okay. Name the last three number four overall picks in the NFL draft. All right. Um, um, geez. I'll give you an attaboy if you get the teams, too. Okay. Uh, we're going to shoot for the middle for. Um, I lost the, but I but the middle one is Kyle Pitts to the Falcons. Um, okay. The one before that is Andrew Thomas with the Giants. Uh, this, this the hardest one is this year. Oh, Sauce Gardner to the Jets. That's correct. I didn't think oh, you were going to get Andrew Thomas. I didn't think you were going to remember him. I I had him mocked to go to the Giants, and I was. 
pleasantly surprised when he did. So that's the only reason I got that. That year, I almost went nine for nine to start out, but I got Brown and Simmons switched. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's a fun one. Who was Miami, Florida's quarterback after Ja'Cory Harris? Oh, God. Um... Corey Harris was when I was in – I would have been – I know I was a freshman in high school when he was there. He beat Ohio State. So, I don't know what year he was in. Or he may have played in Columbus, too. He may have been a freshman that year. That would have been sophomore. It's been the guy who was the quarterback when they almost made the playoffs. Um, I, I can. So can I. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you can. Um, oh, I know his first name, but I don't know his last name. That's the weird thing. Just for my own curiosity, I will not give hints. What's his first name? Malik. Who was Malik? I know it's Malik. I remember a college game based on. Mm. Ah, I, I can't. Malik fucking Johnson. I don't know. Stephen Morris. Stephen Morris. Remember number 17? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Malik. I, I'm going to be honest. As When you said the when they almost made the playoffs, I realized I can't even remember who was their quarterback when they played against Notre Dame. <laughs> now nah, I got to look this guy up. Miami. It was Florida. some guy who could only run and couldn't throw. Yeah. Although I think he actually threw fairly well against Notre Dame just so we were that bad mm. that day. I'll tell you who but, didn't uh, do very well in that game. Ian Book. Malik Rogier. Oh, my I gosh. Of. I was thinking of him. Uh, Brandon Wimbush was the quarterback for us that year. Ooh. And uh, he never threw well. He ran Malik, well, ne- never threw well. Malik Rozier also played baseball in Miami. How about that? Anyway, uh, yeah. uh, final question. You know the format. Yeah. College football. Yep. All-time passing leader. All-time touchdown passing leaders. Put them in order. Marcus Mariota, Chase Daniel, JT Barrett. Oh, come on. Chase Daniel started three years. Mariota started three years. And JT Barrett started four. But even then. 
Now, JT Barrett has to be number one. He started a whole extra year. But, but Oregon's offense was so good. Chase Daniels, the one who's messing me up here, because he was really good, but Mariota, maybe a lot of Mariota's touchdowns came on the ground. I don't know. Um, but that offense was so good at just getting people wide open, so he's starting to open yeah. receivers. This is one of your toughest ones. Even though I've gotten the rest of them wrong, this one I, I don't even have like a hint. When I tell you the totals, you're gonna be like, "Wow, that is real. That it is a really tough one because they're so goddamn close." No, great. Um, I, I gotta put JT Barrett first. He started four years, and then I'll go Chase Daniel, and then I'll go Marcus Mariota. The final or the correct answer is Marcus Mariota, JT Barrett, Chase Daniel. Marcus Mariota had 105 touchdowns. JT Barrett had 104. Chase Daniel had 101. Great. Uh, all right. This is for the tie. And I got to be uh, honest, this one is very hard. Bring it. In my, in my view. I know for a fact you know who – well, I don't even want to give that – I don't even want to say that because I think it's actually going to mislead you more than it will – support you who were the starting quarterbacks in the 2016 matchup between alabama and usc at jerry world Ooh, that jake coker 2016 i know the usc i think lost 52 to 3 something like that that was the that's the video on twitter that everyone always posts it's like every three weeks someone posts the video of, of usc coming out of the locker room they just say the same thing. Oh, I can't believe they did this just to lose by whatever. Like, dude, <laughs> that's been tweeted a million times before. I watched that game in a Buffalo Wild Wing with my friend. <laughs> uh, my... Probably, yeah, I was in Columbus. Uh, 20... No, it wouldn't have been Jake. Jake Hoker was 2015. So it wasn't Jake. So it was Jalen Hurts. Or did Jalen Hurts start right away, or was it that Blake Barnett guy? No, it was, no, it was Jalen. Jalen Hurts. And not Sam Darnold. But he was there. Who was it? Okay, so Jalen Hurts and Sam Darnold. Uh, no, but they both came off the bench in that game. It was Blake Barnett and Max Brown. Oh, I was right about Blake Barnett. I, dude, when you said that name, I was like panicking. I've never heard of Max Brown. Well, Sam Darnold took over the rest of the year, and then they made that excellent Rose Bowl game. All right, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of work. Uh, so it's going to be a quick exit from me, but uh, I finally won a game of trivia. And college football is back, and I will see you all next week. Everyone take care. Peace.